You're listening to the Weekly Wrap-Up on Sprott Money News. Greetings again from Sprott Money News. This is your Weekly Wrap-Up. I'm your host, Craig Hemke, and joining us again today is Eric Sprott himself. Eric, good morning. Hey, Craig. Uh, good to be with you again. Uh, I was hoping we would say that we had a, another up week, and it was looking good till the jobs numbers came out, and now they seem to pounded it. But, you know, there's... Uh, Another seven or eight hours of trading, so I think uh, ultimately we can win the day. See, we still have some time to reverse, but in the grand scheme of things, we're we're at least about unchanged on the week as we speak, and that's that's better than I than at least I thought we were going to be. You know, we had some some fundamentally positive news back on Tuesday with a speech that was given by uh, Chairwoman Yellen before the Economic Board of New York. That seems to be outweighed by these job numbers this morning. How do you feel about the economic situation this week? Well, you know, it's funny. Uh, I mean, I, I happen to have this view that uh, the jobs numbers, because they come out at an 8.30 in the morning on a Friday, all the traders who collude on these things, who all have these massive short positions, use it uh, in a coordinated fashion to knock the price of gold down. And I'm not so sure that they really care what the number is. I mean, the number was somewhat benign at 215,000 jobs. I think the previous month was like 242 or something. The work week uh, didn't change any. The wages went up by like 0.3%, which is not bad, by the way. Better than last week's when wages, or last month's when the wages went down. Uh, but I, I, I just think it's, it's a market, the paper market we're talking about where the various commercials who are short gold and silver in huge amounts use it to try to knock the price of gold down. But I think there's the more important item, of course, was Yellen, who I couldn't believe it when I was listening to it, how extremely dovish she appeared, including, you know, what's going on in the international markets and, you know, we're data dependent. And, of course, the data kind of sucks in the real world. In the pretend world, which is the jobs numbers, by the way, it looks okay. But as we know, those numbers are fudged around. And uh, in fact, they lost even 29,000 manufacturing jobs in the month of March, as reported by the BLS. Yep. We have the um, the job losses in March were way up uh, year over year. And we continue to see announcements. We saw Boeing with 4,000, we saw BlackRock with 400. I think I heard that Credit Suisse was laying off another thousand. The industry is not doing well, and, and they're letting people go. So, how they fabricate these numbers? Where oh, and and for example, the restaurant in, uh, index has been plunging here. The car loadings index is plunging. Of course, the Baltics dry index is horrible. So, I I don't believe the numbers, and the boys play the games with the numbers in terms of knocking gold and silver down. But uh, if we talk about uh, demand for gold and silver. Uh, the physical demand, not the paper, you're going to see that uh, we're set up for a pretty big move here. Yes, it, it certainly seems that I've been trying to remind folks that on a daily basis, the fundamentals for the metals really don't matter to the paper price. Uh, we had this fundamental thing from from uh, Mrs. Yellen back on Tuesday, and we're, what, $30 lower by Friday because of this, this data point? Um, but as you mentioned, nonetheless... Uh, the the physical demand is strong. We saw, uh, now that we're into April, the first quarter is over, and we saw American Silver Eagle sales being at, at record levels, almost $15 million in the first quarter alone. That's probably a good sign uh, for physical demand, is it not? Well, it is, of course, and, and those sales are limited, as you well know, Craig, because the uh, 
the U.S. Mint is sort of has really been on allocation every week. They produce about, about a million ounces a week, and uh, that hasn't gone up at all. Why they haven't got more equipment to to print more eagles is uh, kind of amazing me. But we had, um, I think it was the Perth Mint, their sales were up 49% in silver eagles. Uh, there's some other mints over in um, Austria that have indicated that I think uh, uh, silver was up something like 40% and gold was up something like 27%. Pretty, pretty well. Anytime you see any mint in the world announce their data, we're always double digits. And, and here's the stunning thing about double digits. The silver supply, for example, this year will probably be down in single digits. Mm-hmm. Uh, gold supply will probably be down in single digits. And yet we keep seeing these double-digit increase. You wonder, where are they getting all this silver? And while I'm on silver, um, there's a, an article out, uh, I think it was written by Commerce Bank, saying that we've, we've uh, put 900 tons of silver into the ETS in the month of March. Now, for, for the listeners, to put it in perspective, the silver market is a 27,000-ton-a-year market. So we produce about uh, 2,300 uh, 2, tons of silver in a month. Well, you can have the ETFs by 900 of 2,300. Uh, investment's only supposed to represent something like 20% of the silver supply, but that would be a number like 40% of the silver supply. And the last date I saw in India, for example, in December, they imported 1,000 tons. Well, between the 1,000 tons that India imported, if I get imply the same for March, and uh, the ETFs, that almost accounts for all of the silver that's produced more. And I don't even have to go to Silver Eagles or Austrian mint sales or Canadian mint sales. So the, the, the physical data is stunningly positive. Now, one caveat. When the ETFs say they they have 900 tons, I rather doubt they have the 900 tons. Mm-hmm. I think they got a contract from a bank saying we'll be provided with that silver in due course. Uh, but whether or not they ever receive it, I mean, we just these are totally unsustainable numbers. Just like in gold, where in, in the first three months, theoretically the ETFs have had 300 tons. That's a 1,200-ton annualized rate. In a um, uh, 2,200-ton market, that I'm excluding Russia and China, by the way, because they don't sell their gold and silver in the market. Right. Uh, so you can't have one group of people coming in and buying 1,200 tons of gold when the year before they were selling 138. We have a 1,300-ton delta in a 2,200-ton market, and the price goes down. I mean, it's just ridiculous. And so I don't really believe that these ETFs are necessarily receiving the gold. Uh, we did have, I believe the number for, um, on COMEX, we had people, um, uh, open interest at the end of the March contract of 20, I think it was 20 tons and there's 10 tons in the dealer's inventory. And I'm, I'm not even convinced that we've had February and March settlements, uh, sorry, uh, January and February settlements yet, but you know, the, the, open, the, uh, standing open interest is way beyond the supply of gold that's, uh, it's at the COMEX. So everything in the physical market tells me there's a seriously developing shortage and that um, these uh, prices should explode here. And, of course, the reasoning is you get, well, why would people be buying gold and silver? Well, you look at the currency depreciation all over the place. You look at negative interest rates. Uh, 
the World Gold Council just issued a report, I think it was yesterday, saying that in, in a negative interest rate environment, historically, gold's performance has doubled its historical performance, and that um, major pension funds should own something like 10% of the portfolio in precious metals. Well, we all know that's an impossibility because they got so much money and there's so little gold around. So the, the underlying reasons for people to continue to buy are on the present and, and, and perhaps getting bigger all the time as we, even in the U.S., maybe we'll start talking about uh, negative interest rates. So everything's set up for us here. It's just a matter of the physical guys winning the battle over the paper guys. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. As we've talked about for the last couple of weeks, it, let me ask you a question, Eric. You know, folks say, well, why, why do these banks want to have price go lower? I don't understand how that works. And I think I just want to ask your opinion on something because you touched upon these contracts to deliver metal to the ETFs. Can the contract be torn up if suddenly that ETF demand is no longer there and there's redemptions to the ETF? Would, would that then nullify that contract and make it where they don't need to deliver? Well, the contract can be torn up in a number of ways. One, uh, you can satisfy the, uh, the gold contract with shares of the, G, uh, the GLD. So that's paper for paper. Uh, you could at some time have the COMEX just say, well, there's no gold here, so we're going to settle everything in paper. I mean, that's been done before. You know, just change the rules. You're allowed to settle in, i.e., in dollars. You, we're not going to give you the silver. We're going to give you the dollars. We're not going to give you the gold. We're going to give you the dollars. And we may get to that, okay, that there's finally a failure. And it effectively suggests that, you know, the COMEX was a fraud all along mm -hmm. in terms of suggesting it's a physical market. It's really not a physical market. So, yeah, they can, um, uh, there are situations where it can be settled for cash or, uh, maybe even the SLV is can be used to settle the uh, the silver contract. I can't say that with authority, but uh, the same the, the analogy holds in gold that the GLD shares can be substituted. So yeah, there's ways of uh, of getting around it. But you know, when the word gets out that there's there's no gold and silver around, of course, then everyone will want it, and you could have a tremendous uh, price spike here, which is exactly what I would imagine doing. And I know some people, like yourself included, believe that the the commercials can just, you know, mark this thing down for their own benefit. And we've seen it so many times, Craig, that, yeah, every, every time the commercial shortage is it's as big as it does, they hammer it down. I think they might have a much tougher time this time around. Uh, the Indians are back in the, the market after the jeweler strike was called off. The mint sales have been strong. The ETFs have been unbelievable if it was real gold. So they're going to have a very, very tough time causing a big correction without forcing this uh, physical shortage to happen even quicker. Yeah, and, and we're in that kind of cycle where they're shoving prices back. Do, do you feel as I do, though, that, that we've seen the worst of it, that after three years that we actually finally did see the bottom of paper price back late last year below $14 silver and down around ten fifty in gold? I certainly believe that, and I, I really believe it when you start reading commentaries on gold. I mean, we have lots of people that used to be bears on gold that are now bulls on gold. Uh, we see lots of, just imagine uh, the change of heart that all these economists have had uh, post-Chairman uh, Yellen's speech about the uh, three or four rate increases this year. Everyone thought there'd be three or four rate increases. Now, all of a sudden, you know, three days later, it's one. Yeah. which just shows that people can be offside for a long, long time and, and, and be totally misreading what's really going on in the world. 
Um, so, yeah, I think that uh, uh, ultimately the negative interest rates, the, the currency war that's going on, uh, the economic malaise that we're in, uh, and speaking of that, by the way, there was a data point out of Hong Kong. Their retail sales in, I think it was February, could have been March, we're down 21%. <laughs> wow. 21% decline in retail sales, uh, which was a statement about, you know, uh, mainland Chinese not going to Hong Kong. But uh, there's so many data points that are just screaming at us that it's over. Uh, so, yeah, I think uh, people will continue uh, to focus on precious metals here, and then ultimately we're going to find out that the whole Ponzi scheme of paper versus physical will break in favor of the physical. Eric, before we go, I've got to ask you, uh, we were informed earlier this week by the Financial Times of London that uh, the gold is a threat to the environment and actually no valuable, more valuable than human waste. Uh, it's right up there with the Wall Street Journal pet rock story from last summer. Just wondering if you had a chance to view that little bit of, of information provided by the Financial Times. Well, Craig, to be honest with you, I hadn't seen that article. Not that I would give it any credence. I mean, the Financial Times historically has been anti-gold for decades. Uh, so I'm not going to be looking for gold news in the Financial Times. Uh, I, I'd much rather look at the facts on the ground and let the facts on the ground guide my my judgment and uh, all those facts and the the ongoing data that we have to, that we look at every day is is all leaning in the direction that we've seen a low in gold. I can't imagine it going back down to these levels. Can you imagine how much the, the uh, Indians would buy if we dropped gold 150 bucks? It would be incredible. So I, I just uh, I, I think it's untenable that, that we're, we should get a new low here with these almost insane uh, economic and and um, financial policies that uh, we're seeing around the world. Just, things are just not getting better. I mean, what's the number that we the central banks have put fifteen trillion into the system, and we're getting zero economic growth? I mean. The, well, St. Louis Fed just came out and said the first U.S. GDP growth will be 0.6 percent, 0.6. I mean, it's just it's it's mind-boggling to think that things could be as weak as they are, with all that fiscal monetary monetary stimulus that more and more people realize doesn't accomplish anything. So, well, I think there's a lot of frustration out there by the pundits. Well, you know, how do we get this breakaway speed that we're looking for? We're not even close to breakaway speed. In fact, we're getting closer to breakdown speed. So, yeah, I think that the bottom for sure is in. And, and Eric, I just saw a headline come across the screen. J.P. Morgan and HSBC have been indicted by the Justice Department for silver manipulation. Trading in silver is halted. There you go. Trading in silver is halted. There you go. And it looks to be indicated at $49 an ounce when they when they reopen it. Uh, no, well, Eric, Craig, Eric, Eric, you know Eric, what's interesting? Eric, Eric, I'm sorry, that's an April Fool's joke. It's an April Fool's joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, there's a guy in uh, Toronto who suggested that that is a headline that's going to come out here soon. So I will look forward to that. <laughs> I just, it was just fun to actually mutter those words. So I just thought I would leave you with that here on April Fool's Day. Okay, let's let's hope that the uh, the decline in gold and silver so far is a bit of an April Fool's joke, and that by the end of the day we we'll get it all back. This sounds like a winner to me, and we'll certainly uh, look forward to discussing this again next week. Hey, thank you for your time this morning, Eric. Have a great weekend. 
Okay, Craig. Enjoy the humor. All the best. And from all of us here at Sprott Money News, have a great weekend. We'll talk to you again next week.